Praise the Lord. What a joy. Kids, get back to the seats. Here's what we're going to do, guys. Uh, We're going to tackle a big chunk today, okay? So because of that, uh, we're going to have a seat. I'm going to pray for us. And actually, we're going to go through the scriptures and kind of kind of narrate as we go. So we're going to do it a little differently today uh, for the sake of the volume of scripture that we're going to be dealing with because it's more of a narrative. Okay, guys? So let me pray for us, and then we'll jump right in. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for um, just the joy of being able to sing out and enjoy one another, not take ourselves too seriously, but always take you serious, Jesus. Thank you for that, that grace. Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit will guide our time. Uh, that everyone could remain attentive, Lord. We pray that you would just guide me, Lord, as you allow me to, uh, by your grace, teach your word, Lord. We pray that your word, uh, we would be faithful with your scriptures, um, that you would be exalted, made much of, Lord, that you would feel me, Jesus, and, and fill this room, Lord, so that we are about your business. Uh, we just want to trust you, Christ. Uh, you have your way as we look at Acts 22. We love you, and we just right now acknowledge that our allegiance is to you, Christ, and we want to please you in Jesus' name. Amen. How's see you guys? So, yeah, what we usually do is we'll read through the text. And I, and I even want to do it now because it's something that's really cool about going, reading the text as a, as a body and then uh, going through it when you've, like, looked at the whole narrative. But the thing is we have the, the issue of, of uh, having so much of a, a text to deal with. So if you need Bibles, Pastor Leon's passing some out. Right now, as a local community, we go, we go through books of the Bible. That's what we're doing. Right now, we're in the book of Acts. Uh, we're in Acts chapter uh, 21. I'm sorry, 22. We've been in Acts for about a year now. And um, by God's grace, we're learning a lot of uh, good stuff. We're learning about um, basically uh, what happened in Jesus' journey before, uh, right before he died on the cross. Then he died, rose from the dead. Uh, how he fills his people with the spirit. Uh, validates that actually he is king and he's worthy of your life. Uh, gives these guys power to preach the gospel, kind of re- redirects their, uh, their job description uh, so they can understand how to accurately fill out their W-2, and that is to be missionaries. That's everyone's job description, basically, that we are proclaimers of, of the good news. As John Pepper says, the reason why missions exist is because worship does not, that the whole world should be proclaiming Christ. And until that is happening, we will always be making him known and hustling for Jesus. That's just basically uh, the modus operandi, the, the mode of operation for the people of God um, is to, to be his sent people. Apostle Lost being the, the, the whole concept of the sent people of God, um, Jesus sending us as the Father has sent him. Um, that's, that's basically our, our mode of operation. Okay, guys? So I'm, what I'm not going to do is um, I explained and went through the whole... All, Basically, chapter 1 all the way through chapter 21 last week. Not going to do that again. We're going to jump right into chapter 22. So I'm sorry if you're new, you're hitting a moving train. We want to encourage you to go back to the website and uh, check out the intro, and you'll get all of it. But right now, I think it'll still bless you, but you won't have the whole framework because we're jumping right into chapter 22. Um, I'll be gracious and give you a little snapshot that you're right where we, we, we left off um, <clears throat> at the end of chapter 21 where Paul was on, going to speak. Uh, he waves his hand over the crowd. He's just gotten beat down. We explain what a beat down really looks like because I think uh, what we always try to do in, this, in our local body is make sure that we're remembering that these aren't just good stories, right? This stuff happened in history with people who got emotions, who are broken and jacked up, 
who have good days and bad days, some people who can punch harder than others. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this is real stuff that's happening to real people. And so sometimes when you're reading stuff and you forget that, man, when it's in history, you forget that people act like you and they do things like you. And, and so when you think of a dude getting beat down, we brought up the point last week. I, I brought up to a brother, I said, has anyone ever been jumped before? Right? My whole point in that was just trying to help people understand. I was jumped as a teenager by a couple of teenagers, 14, 13, maybe 15-year-olds, and it hurt. And so what does it look like to be jumped by a myriad of men, you know what I'm saying, who got stones and all kind of whatever they got, you know, and hitting you and kicking you and beating you down, just making it really clear that when you think about that, think about this room, everyone at one time, you're, sta- you're standing right here, and at once, everybody in this room just start running to you and starting to give you their best lick possible. And, and using their imagination while doing so. I think I'll kick them in the leg. I think I'll kick them in the kneecap. I think I'll hit them in the neck. I think I'll do, can you imagine that? Well, I'm just trying to help you understand. This is what happened when you get a mob of people saying, you have denounced and said something about our God and we're going to defend him. So we're going to kill you. Okay. So that's where we left off. Okay. So this guy, when, when they dragged Paul off, which by the way, they had to pick him up and drag him off. Which, again, I think affirms my, my speculation that he was probably pretty jacked up, right, Rob? So the man probably had bruises all over himself. Something might have been broken. Uh, for sure, his face was disheveled, bleeding, maybe some teeth. Just imagine the, gra- the graphic nature of the scenario, okay? And in the midst of that, uh, this awesome guy, who we now know is probably the greatest theologian in New Testament history, Beat up, maybe can't even talk, he might, jaw sore, can you imagine, bent over, still, still has enough wits to first speak the language of the people that can encourage him and say, oh man, you speak Greek, so you must be educated. And he says, hey, I want to speak to the people. Can you imagine that? So this is what's going on here. The guy realizes you're not this, Egypt, you're not this guy who we thought kind of tried to overthrow Rome a couple years ago who we were going to actually kill you. We realize you're an educated dude. So that's kind of interesting. Let us pause. What do you have to say? So the, the Roman army gives Paul, who used to kill Christians, who now is a believer and walks with the Lord and is a missionary and is on his third missionary journey, gives him a voice and says, go out and, and say what you got to say to these people because I'm trying to figure out, this is the Romans thinking, I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. So maybe I'll get more insight as you're talking to your people. So go ahead and say something, Paul. So here we are in chapter 22. Paul is about to speak all beat down, all jacked up, dirty, dusty, bleeding, you name it. He goes out and uh, it says in verse 1 of chapter 22, this. Brothers and fathers, here's a defense that I now make before you. So, so again, the wits of Paul, this awesome theologian, he's trying to help people understand the goodness of Christ, his whole framework. And I want you to keep that in mind. What would you be like? What would be your mindset? How would you feel about the people you're talking to? Would you have even tried to talk to the people at this point? Think about it from your perspective. This just happened to you. You're probably, wouldn't you be scared? I mean, think about your scenario. He gets up. And I'm blown away. He calls these people brothers and fathers. Right? And his brothers and fathers, here are the things that I now make for you, which lets you know he's saying, hey, the people who were around who were putting on them were the men. Okay, by the way. 
And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, remember we talked about last week that, oh, and by the way, we ask questions here. So we want you to understand the text so it can lead to worship. So if there's something that's, that's not making sense and you feel like it can help the whole body of Christ, please ask your question. If it's something that's specific where you feel like, man, I got, I'm going to ask Eric this, Pastor Eric this, come up at the end and love the dialogue or talk to our elders, our leaders. But we want to really make sure that this information doesn't just get you smarter, but it really does lead to you worshiping Christ. So just want to throw that out real quick. In verse two, he says, I love this, addressing them in a Hebrew language, which at that point was Aramaic, which was kind of very common. So uh, we said he got up and, and the scripture says in, in, in chapter 21, he kind of waved his hand. All right, and you don't beat this guy down. You think he's a heretic. And then he waves his hand and everyone kind of just listens. All right, and it says now he starts speaking like he starts speaking like their language. Like, man, you, look, brothers, you know what I'm saying? And they're like, whoa, whoa hold on. It get even more quiet, the scriptures say, All right? And this whole concept of, of, of the defense is something I want you to be thinking about as, as you study the scriptures. Uh, specifically in chapter 22, he says, he uses this word, here's the defense, right? Um, basically the word apologia, you, it's where we get the word apologetics from. Uh, defending the faith we talk about a lot of times. Being on mission and defending the faith. Well, that's what he's doing right here. That he basically is defending himself. And I wanted you to notice how he defends himself. I want to propose he defends himself by exalting Christ. Okay? Look what he says. So he speaks in Aramaic. They become even more quiet. They're listening like, man, okay, he's speaking our language. Let me hear what this brother has to say. Which, by the way, Paul gives, uh, which I love this. This speaks to the importance of our testimony. Paul gives kind of a a defense of his faith. And basically in kind of a form of his life, six times, not, not just Paul, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, but six times in the whole New Testament, there's documentation of Paul kind of proclaiming the good news through his life. I think that's, that's a good indication if we're going to be pragmatic about this, that man, everyone up in this room needs to understand and know their testimony and know how to preach the gospel through your testimony. That people should be able to hear your story of your life and they should understand why they need Christ who they are, who you are, who you were, and who Christ is. He says, he started it all, verse 3, here's where he starts the defense. Check, check out what the brother says, guys. He says, I am a Jew. Now, he starts with I am a Jew, okay? Now, I love the way he does this. Now, the, the reason why I like this, because this is more my pet peeve, uh, verily, verily, he uses this kind of word. This is that kind of the literal translation. I love that old school King James action. When you go, uh, where I think about it is, um, is John 3 is one of my favorite passages. He says the same thing. Whenever you see like verily, verily, or I say to you, or something that's kind of emphatic like that in the scriptures, when they translate it from the Greek to the English, what he's really saying is that it was emphatic. It was like, you know how you can, you know how you can say, hey, I want to tell you something. And then you can say like, for real. You know what I'm saying? You know, I need to tell you something, brother. Hey, or you say like, man, I ain't playing. You know what I'm saying? You give him that eye. Like, listen, y'all. Right? You know, you can say something factually, and then you can be like, hold up. Right? That's what he's saying. When he says, barely, barely, he's saying, truly, truly, this is real. Put this on everything. Like, this is what's up. This is, I'm telling you, this is, I am a Jew. So when he says that, he's trying to make it really clear. I am part of you. Right? And then he, he proves it, right? What, he, what does he do? He says, born, I love this, born in Tarsus. So remember, 
He is up there, and this ain't, this not the State of the Union brother got dressed up in a suit. He just got beat down, y'all remember? He was probably 30 seconds from death. Look how clear the Holy Spirit, see, I want us to realize, we talk about the Holy Spirit, this is a supernatural moment. Well, how in the world can you get beat down, be broke up, things messed up in you, you're disheveled, you, just, you don't know what to think, are they going to kill me, are the Romans going to kill me, are the Jews going to kill me, are they going to set me free and then kill me out front, what's going to happen? And he has the wits to bring the clarity of the speech we're about to think about. Do you, that we're going to see, do you see the Holy Spirit had to bless that brother? Had to empower him. He starts off, I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia. So he starts off, I'm a Jew, I'm a Jew of the Jews, right? I was born in Tarsus in Cilicia. I'm, I'm educated, I'm, I'm, I'm smart. Then he says, I was born there, so I'm educated. When we talked about Cilicia, that's, that was like, that, that rivaled Athens as far as like a socialite, as far as uh, having like, you know, it's like, Going to Liggett, you know, I was, I was born, you know, it's like saying I was born in Gross Point and I went to Liggett and I went to all the cool schools, you know, you know, and I, and I went to U of M and then he says, but then I was brought up in the city, but man, I did that when I was young, but man, I spent most of my years in the D. <laughs> it's like he's saying that, but I spent most of, but then he says, I spent most, he says, but I was brought up in this city. So he says, not only did I get all the pedigree, Right. That of, a, of, a, of, a, of a learned person. But then, guess what? I'm more Jew than a lot of y'all because all y'all came here for the festival. I grew up up in Jew, Jerusalem. You understand? Like, that's, a, that's what he's trying, he's trying to let them understand. I grew up in Jerusalem, bruh. It's not some field trip for me. Right? But brought up in this city. So, I got the pedigree where I'm really smart. So, you, so you can't just act like I'm a fool. Right, I'm, I'm a socialite. I can I can drive and deal with everybody. But then I grew up in in the hood. I grew up in my hood in the hood you wanted to grow up in. But I did that. Then he says, but then not only that, all y'all know about the dude, you know, Gamaliel. All y'all know about him, one of the greatest rabbis of the known world at that time. He was my teacher. He discipled me. You see what he's doing? He's trying to show. Like, are you kidding me? Are you questioning my Jewish identity? You can't question my Jewish identity. I'm telling you from from here to there, I'm Jew in and out, right? It's hard when someone questions your identity, right? Your ethnic identity, you know? And I can tell you as an African-American, it's really hard when someone tries to make it sound like because you're trying to be kingdom, that you will sell out. Come on now, can can somebody tell the truth over here? You're trying to be kingdom. God untold you, he saved the whole world, right, Edie? God untold you that he made everybody. He made Asians, he made the white folks, black folks, he made everybody so they can all in unity and diversity say, I'm going to put aside my differences because my God is bigger than my differences. And we're going to come together because we want people to see God. And so we're going to wrestle with this, we're going to work with this, but we're going to stay at the table because God is more important than my, my rights, right? And if somebody says, what you doing, you'll sell out. And what do we do? We go, hold up, homeboy. You think I'm going to sell out? What's up? What's up? You know, we want to fight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We want to show cats. I show you a sellout. Right? Caught brother saying, man, I'm not some sellout. I'm straight up Jew. But guess what? 
me being Jew is not, is not a God in my life. It's not my idol. See, some of us need to be repenting right now because your whiteness and your blackness is an idol. You being Asian is an idol. You being Hispanic is an idol. And you care more about that than the kingdom. Because you won't even go sit with another homie who differed in you and identify and say, no, that's my dude. I'm a kicker with him. That's my boy. Yeah, he on my porch. Yeah, we can it. He says, I'm a Jew. Absolutely. Look at my pedigree. You know, we, we do that, right? I'm a brother. I'm, I should not cast out. You know, but it's more than that now. It's bigger than that. He says, Gamaliel's my teacher. And all these brothers, see, everybody came in. We said about a million Jews who came in for the, for the Passover festival, right? And they all knew about Gamaliel because he was a big-time rabbi. You understand? And, and what rabbis did, and this is, what, this is what's cool about Jesus. So rabbis always, it was, like, it was like the draft. Like NFL draft every year, you had the rabbi draft, right? And the good rabbis, the off-the-chain rabbis, would choose all the good students, Right? And then the, 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 the Lord of Rabbi was, you got the kind of the busters. You know, you got the, you know what I'm saying, the vagabonds, kind of brothers didn't do too well in school. Well, Jesus got the last pickings. That's what's beautiful about the kingdom. Jesus is, as it were, a rabbi. Right? But they, that's why people are like, you got to validate you being a rabbi. Because those are your kids. And that's why it's interesting in Acts when he says, he says, well, how's this happening? How's the world being changed? How are people preaching the gospel? Because this is, these are unlearned people. The only distinction is not that they grew up with an awesome rabbi and, and that they, they, they were known as good students and they got picked like in the top 10 in the draft pick of the rabbi draft pick this year. But the only distinction is that they were with Jesus. See, now you go to that word, you remember that part. You know what I'm talking about, right? In the beginning of Acts. Right? Says he, these guys have been with Jesus. Well, he says I was with Gamaliel. And I, I've graciously experienced this. When I was at Crusade, I had a guy, Roger Hershey, who was probably the most, uh, probably the most known uh, Campus Crusade staff in the nation. Right? And then this dude had the nerve to want to pick a goofball like me and disciple me. You know? And man, it humbled my heart. Because now it was a stewardship issue. Right? When someone's like off the chain, I've experienced that where I'm like, man, and I would talk to people and, 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 and they would go, you were disciple of Roger Hershey? And I'm like, I didn't know he was that off the chain. You know? Paul is saying, y'all all know what's up. Like he says, I'm a Jew. Like he says, and, I was, and he says, brought up with him, sat at his feet according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers. I can't get into that. The strict manner of our law and father being zealous. He's actually using it as a noun. So he's actually saying being like one of the zealots, which was a whole group of people who were the strictest of the law. So he's saying, not only was I down with the law, not only did I understand the Pentateuch, not only did I memorize the Pentateuch because being a Pharisee, he had to memorize the Pentateuch. He's saying, but, but you know, guess what? I was not only one of them, I was on the strict side. There was these other dudes and I was over here. I was a zealot. See what he's doing? And look what he does here. This is awesome. How do you have the wits to do this? In history, he says, I'm a zealot. I'm a a Jew. And he says, for God, as all of you are this day. You know what he's doing there? You know what he's doing there? He's giving them props. He's willing to admit. He's giving them props. How is he giving them props? He's saying to them, family, he's saying, 
I actually understand why you beat me down. I get it. You did, you did the right thing. That's what he's saying. He's saying, because you're zealous for the law. Just like I was. Right? He goes on. Gives him props. You're trying to please God. I get it. He says, he says um, I persecuted this way just like you to death. I used to kill Christians. Verse 4. Binding and delivering to both prison, both men and women. Verse 5. As the high priest and the whole council of the elders can bear me witness. May circle that. From them I received letters to the brothers. And I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were, who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. A couple of things. First, persecuted the way. We already talked about why he called it the way. Okay? So he says, I persecuted these people. Here's what I did. Here's my pedigree. All these people are listening to him. I'm a Jew. Guess what? I used to beat up Christians. I was even crazy to y'all. If I would have been y'all, I would have killed me already. Y'all kind of weak. You know what I'm saying? Y'all don't even know how to hit. So he's like, look. I did all that. Then he says, but guess what? I got to validate my testimony. So notice what he does throughout the testimony, fam. He keeps mentioning people that they can find. You can see this. He keeps saying, hey, and, you know, he says, you know, I, I, he says, uh, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. These people ain't dead. <laughs> He's like... You think I'm lying? Go talk to him. He, he says, you know why? Because I couldn't just go and grab a bunch of Christians. I wasn't some vigilante, right? This ain't taking five. You know what I'm saying? He's like, no. He's like, no, I had to get papers. You see what he's saying in the scriptures there, guys? From them, I received letters, okay, to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus. I had to get legitimate records to say, now I got the power from the high priest, from the people, to go take these Christians who are being blasphemous. So if you don't believe me, if you don't believe that I'm actually, I'm a serious Jew, a devout Jew who's serious about God's exaltation, go ask your priest. They know. They know. Right? They can bear witness. I went toward Damascus to kill people, to put them in jail. I love the concept, had all these people uh, with me, Right? I guarantee you there's a lot of people. He probably wasn't just having like one or two Christians. He probably had a little entourage because he probably had a, the reason why he had a bunch of people with him because he probably had a bunch of Christians. Verse six, as I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. He's telling his testimony, guys. Look what he says. Now, in the, in the, when you go back uh, in, in, in chapter nine, when he's preaching the gospel in this way, when he's telling his testimony, he doesn't mention that it's noon. So I'm like, well, how does he mention it noon now? Because again, just like the five of y'all is praising Jesus for the sunshine in Michigan, in ancient Near Eastern, you ain't praising Jesus for the sunshine, you praising Jesus for the shade. Because at noontime, you about to die. Because it's hot. And the sun out. It's bright. Remember, Sarah, when me and Sarah was even, when we were in Eastern Africa, man, I remember just, remember the days, you felt like the sun was closer, straight up. Straight up. You feel like the sun was closer. And so, why did he do that? I want to tell you why he did that, guys. Look what he says here. He says, he says, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. If it's high noon and sunny, 
And he says, a great light fell around me to the point that I was blind. How great was that light? How great was that light? He's trying to paint a picture. He's trying to say, man, it was bright and sunny outside. I'm ready to kill Christians, you know what I'm saying? Like Elmer Fudd looking for rabbits. And all of a sudden, and look what he says here. Now look at this, verse 7. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right? And I'm going to read this and I'm going to go back. Verse 8. And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Let me go on down to verse 9 and come back up. Now those who were with me saw the light but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. Now you know what I love about this? When you think about blindness and when I think about blindness, you know what we think about? We think about darkness. We think about can't see because it's dark. Is that fair? I'm proposing, you know what he's saying? He's saying, I couldn't see because it was too bright. I'm saying to you, have you ever had, have you ever like had like somebody like shoot like a, um, a camera in your face, poof, or, or a big bright light hit you and, and you get those little twinkle thingies? I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about, I want to propose to you guys. Because, again, this is a Holy Spirit moment. This is a supernatural moment. This is me commentating. You know, I think I have enough biblocentric evidence here, but here's what I propose and happens supernaturally. Because I'm proposing it was a supernatural moment. And I don't necessarily think it's supernatural just for a light and you go, ooh, and now I can't see no more. I'm proposing that it was so awesome, the light was so bright in noon time that it was so bright, he got those little diggy diggy thingies in his eyes and it stayed like that until God removed it. I'm proposing that he was blind because of the light. And that because when you are blinded by light, it's not dark. He couldn't see because it was like, oh, like, oh, man, it was like kind of like the brightness. You know what I'm thinking there? I'm thinking that speaks to the glory of God. I think he's trying to say, man, God's glory blinded me. What do we remember when we see something like that? Any, any, any place in scripture that talks about something kind of like that? Maybe Moses? Hey, uh, you don't want to see me, Moses, because you will die. So here's what I'm going to do. I want you to go behind that cliff, hide behind a rock. I'm going to show you my back, the scriptures say. I ain't going to show you my front. This is God talking. I'm going to show you my back. Because see my front, you're going to just melt. I'm off the chain. Okay? So I'm going to show you my back. And then what, is Mo- what happened to Moses? Moses come out glowing. He saw God's back. It was glowing. Go to the text. Fact check me on that. So I'm proposing what he's trying to do. He's trying to affirm who he is, his identity. He's trying to affirm he's down for the cause, but he's trying to redefine what the cause is. And he's saying, you, want, you have a cause of Yahweh. I'm telling you, Yahweh did this to me. See what he's doing here? Yahweh, your God is my God, but I'm telling you, you don't know who he is because Yahweh is revealed in Jesus. So look what he does here. So he, he, he gives him that concept of the glory of God. The first century Jew remembers Moses and says, so he's talking about Yahweh. He says, well, let's put more on that. He's talking about Yahweh, but, Yahweh, but look, what, no, look what he said. Yahweh said, it wasn't that Yahweh persecuted me. I said, who is this? Who blinded me like the book in, with Moses? Who did this? It says, verse 8, I am Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, hold up. Who's persecuting me? Wait a minute. You mean the thug, vagabond dude, Jesus? The guy who got killed and murdered? 
that guy did this? That guy is God? That guy in Yahweh? You see what he's doing here? Crowd's listening. What is going on? Love the fact. Imagine, blinded by light. Imagine this. In history, y'all, you're like, oh, my goodness, what just happened? And now, you're already scared, right? But then somebody starts speaking to you. You know what I'm saying? You blinded. You already got jacked up. What's going on? Eric. Oh, my goodness. I can't even see her. You on the ground blind. Jesus of Nazareth is fraud. They had Jesus as a fraud, guys. They had Jesus as a crazy dude. Jesus was a cult leader. And Jesus is God. Verse 9. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. Love that. They saw the light too. Hey, guess what? <laughs> Fact check time. You can prove them wrong. Go find the brothers who was with them. Hey, Johnny, were you at, were you at Paul that day? <laughs> Tell me about what you saw. Man, that was crazy. I don't know what happened, man, but it was a big old light, man. You know it's noontime too, bro. It was crazy. Right? This is a testimony. He said, go fact check me. Verse 10. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see, because, hold up. Eric, you're making that stuff up about the light. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, he should have said, because I'm blind, right? To really affirm our, our presuppositions in our day and age. He doesn't. He wants us to, he wants to remind you. No, 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 no. This wasn't just no regular I can't see. I was blind because of the light. I was led by hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. All right. This is, about, this is about sovereignty. This is about God showing that he is sovereign and that he saved a guy and there was nothing Paul could do about it. Let me keep rolling real quick. Um, here's what he's doing. He's trying to show us another thing too, guys. All these people he's bringing up, again, because the, the whole point, we're beating them down because are you, are you a real Jew or are you kind of a sellout Jew? Right? And he's like, no, I'm a real Jew. And so everybody he's mentioning, priests, homies who was with him, who are still probably chasing Christians around, he's giving them validation of all these people who are real Jews. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, I used to hang with them. A lot of these people in the crowd had never even been near the high priest. He was getting papers from them. You understand the difference there? It's like, it's like no, man. Yeah, so, yeah so, when, so when I was talking to Barack, you know, you know, and he gave me the papers, man. You know, I went down the street and we was chilling, right? And they're like, you was kicking with Barack? Yeah, man, go ask him. Oh, you can't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is, this is the swag this man had. Pharisee, only a few hundred Pharisees in the whole history of Israel. History. He was one of them. Guys, I just want us to get that picture of this guy who God said, I'm going to save you just to show the world I do what I want to do when I want to do it. Then it says, and one, names another name, Ananias, go find him, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who live there. Why do you think he, gives, why do you think he does all that? Devout due to the law. Well, the Jews love him, right? <laughs> he's, he's building that case. It says, he came to me and standing by me said to me, brother Saul, receive your sight. 
And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. God of our fathers. Why do you think he used that terminology? Because he's talking to first century Jews. He said, that God, and look what he says, had a word for me and wanted me to hear it from his mouth. Well, whose mouth did we hear it from? Who said it? Jesus. You see what he's doing there? The God of our fathers wanted me to hear a word from his mouth. Only one talking was Jesus. <laughs> right? Look, look, he goes on. Look at this. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash wash away your sins, calling on his name. Love that. When I had returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in a temple. I fell into a trance, verse 18, and I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. Very interesting part here. So he's telling these guys, so get cleansed up. Uh, God does work in my life. Get saved. God puts me in a trance, says, you got to leave Jerusalem. They're not going to accept the testimony. Look what he does. Look at, look what Paul does. Love this. Paul starts kind of giving a, a snapshot of like, I know, no, this is, a, I, I, what you've done, Jesus is awesome, man. We're going to share our faith here, Jesus. Look what he does here. He says, he says, no, no, no. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. You see what he's doing here? He's telling Jesus how to do ministry. No, Jesus, don't you get it? This is a great testimony. I used to beat Jews, and now I can come and say, I know I used to beat, you know, I used to beat, you know, people who believe in the way. Now I can save them. Look what he says. This. He says, they themselves know this, verse 20. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. I, that was me. I, I, I was a witness of that, right? And look, and look, <laughs> and look what God says. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. <laughs> you see what God did there? What's Paul, what Paul saying? Why, I shouldn't leave. That's not how we do it, right? You know what? I like these people. I'm part of this group. It makes sense, Lord. I'm supposed to be ministering to the Jews. You know, I'm Pharisee. I got all the knowledge. I used to beat people down. I come back and now I'm all saved. It just, it's, a great, it's a great gospel story. And God says, no, shut up. You're going to the Gentiles. How many of us do that? You look at your life and you just connect the dots in the flesh. And you go, well, of course, you know. You know, people do that to me all the time. They think I'm in, I'm in the ministry in Detroit just because I'm a black dude. Right? See, that's worldly. That's not the reason why I'm here. Does God use it? Yes. But you see how silly it is to think, oh, only God, God got to use a black dude to serve black people. That's worldly. And here's a cool proof text where God is saying to him, that's what you thought, but I got other ways. And my point in that is to be very careful not to just drum up our own ministry. Let's let God do some Holy Spirit work. Let's be prayerful in the word, diving in, practicing disciplines, asking God's spirit to speak to us, to speak through us, and let God determine where you need to be. And don't just look at your pedigree. Yeah, I got this education. I do, I, I, I'm really good with the skateboard, so I'm a minister to skateboard people. All right? 
He says, no, I'm going to send you far away. God had another plan, family. He goes on. Now, look at this. Now, you, now, now remember, they were listening, right? And we're almost home. They were listening. Look what happened. God, he told them that God said, hey, I'm going to have you minister to the Gentiles. Look what the next verse says. You see that? It says, up to this word. I love the way the author did that. Literally up to this word. They listened to him. Soon as he said the word Gentile, soon as he said, I mean, you see, he tried to set him up. He tried to make it easy, though. He said, I love Jewish people. I love Jewish food. I love the festivals. I'm a Jew. I, got, I, know, I know the books. I, I listen to the CDs. I, I'm just, I'm Jewish. And God will me minister to Gentiles. And they was like, kill him. Right? You see, isn't it crazy? He set it up. He proved that he is a devout Jew. He proved that, that, that God's people started with the Jews. He proved that he celebrated Yahweh as a Jew. Right? That I'm not against Judaism. And then he said, but one little thing God said at the end. He said, not me. You know how he did that? God said, I tried to minister to the Jews, y'all. Right? But he said, and... It says, up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and fighting dust and flinging dust into the air. There's a funny story there, but we don't have time to go into it. I mean, they just went crazy, right? They're going crazy. Think about that. Okay. Let me just give two, one quick caveat. Okay, so think about ministry. I am amazed at how this teaches us, man, you can have it all right. You can try to set the gospel up and make it so nice. And you know what he had to do? I love this. He had an opportunity not to share the whole gospel. And he had an opportunity not to share the whole gospel, but looked like he was sharing the whole gospel. You know how? Because he could have shared everything he just shared and left out the little part about, but God wanted to send me to a specific people. Because they didn't ask. You feeling me? And they would have got the crucifixion. <laughs> they would have got Jesus as God. They would have got, you need Jesus. That Yahweh has, has fulfilled himself in Christ. And they, they would have got all that stuff. But they wouldn't have got the whole concept that God created all people with value, dignity, and purpose, and worth. And that God wants to save all people. And for some reason, Paul was willing to sacrifice his reputation in his life to make clear the whole gospel. Do you see that? He could have done that. Guys, I propose to you, if he would have done that in the text, we wouldn't even caught it. Many of us, would, I wouldn't have caught it. I'd have kept reading. Yep, that's true. Yep, he said, he's Gentile, yep. But for some reason, he saw, he saw it clear to say, no, but the reason why you saw me with that brother is because God saved the Gentiles too. You see that? So you know what that tells me? And I hope, it, I hope it breaks your heart and humbles you. Please don't be arguing about the best way to teach the gospel and telling somebody just because they preached the gospel and someone's mad at them, they did it wrong. You can't get the gospel more clear and more beautiful and packaged than Paul right there. And yet, you know what the result was? If the Roman army would not have been there, he would have been killed. And the only thing he said, bro, he had a three-minute speech and one word at the end. 
He said one bad word and they was going to kill him. So my heart for me and for you, family, is that we would just preach the gospel. Lead the results to God. Don't think, oh, no, but you, and start judging each other. No, the reason why they matter is you, because we know how you always preach. You just walk up to people. And you know how you are. You know, I love them. I spend time with them. I make them eggs and stuff, you know, and then I share the gospel, and that's why she got saved. Right? You on the corner and stuff with your prayer banner, doing all this stuff. That's why people ain't coming to Judging cats. As if you getting people saved. It's a spiritual thing. That's what Jesus said. People born to people. Spirit is born to spirit. People can't birth spirit. Right? So I love this text here. I love that they're going to beat Paul down after such a beautiful, articulate speech. It's still about to kill him. Because he said one word they didn't agree with. You know what that tells me? People were evil. And sometimes, I don't care how you package it. People are going to just be evil and do what they want to do. So you might, you know what? You might as well go down swinging then. You might as well tell them the truth. You know what I'm saying? You hiding and scared, trying to keep, who, come on, can we, can we, you know we fam. Don't we do relationships like that? Some of y'all got relationships right now. You've been friends with people. They like you. They like your pies. They like that you invite them to three on three tournaments. They like all that stuff. But you still ain't shared the whole gospel with them yet. Because you know they ain't going to like you no more. You know they ain't going to like you, so you're a little nervous. So you share a little bit. They know you're a good Christian. They know you read the Bible, right? They know you do some service and acts and stuff. But you ain't told them about sin and holiness and repentance and forgiveness and depravity and God's greatness and sovereignty and hell and judgment. You ain't told them all that. Because you start telling people all that, they start not liking you. They start wanting to kill a brother. You know what I'm saying? And you ain't trying to get killed. Come on, D. Some of us in here, man, you got all these relationships. You've been, you've been hustling and neighboring for years in Macav. Got mad street cred up in here. People love you. They never think they was going to love a white dude like you. Come on. And you still ain't told them everything. Tell them. They're going to beat you down anyway. If God's in it, they'll get saved. If God's in it, they'll beat you down. God's still in it. At least you know. Wasting your time. Right? So, they crazy. They flinging dust. They, they don't even know what to do. I propose they flinging dust. They was looking for bricks. They wanted to stone him. You know you're mad, right? I'm going to get... Ain't no bricks down here. Where the bricks at? <laughs> Scripture says, verse 24, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks because they're looking for stuff. They're trying to stone cat. They're like, we've got to get this dude. So the, the, the Roman guards looking like, man, we've got to get this brother out of here. Saying that he should be examined by flogging. All that is, is cute words of torture. All that really means is we've got to torture this dude, right? To find out why they were shouting at him. Because I gave you a chance, Paul. Let you go out there, talk to your people, man. I still ain't learned nothing about you. I still don't understand why they're trying to kill you. You ain't said nothing to me that made me mad like that. It's the Roman people looking. They listen to the journey. They're like, why are you so mad? I don't get it. What's up? 
So it must be something else. Can't be that you know. You're talking about this crazy dude, Jesus. You know, I don't, I don't understand. So we got we to gotta, we gotta torture this brother because we need to know what's up. Because I got, I got people to answer to. And I got to know if something jump off and it becomes this big old riot up in here, I got to be able to handle this and go talk to the emperor. So, hey, we got to beat you down, Paul. We got to flog you, okay? Now, the last time we saw a flogging was where? Our, our Lord Jesus of Nazareth, right? Remember what the flogging is about, guys? Horrible. Stick covered with leather, leather thongs at the ends of it. P- picture this. Bits of bone. You ever seen, you ever had cracked up bones and you, the bone little things sticking out stuff, bones brittle and, and metal, metal shards. Can you imagine? And they would just, they would just lash it at the person until it rips their flesh. And so what would happen, so here's why it says in the scriptures, notice what it says there. Uh, To find out why he's shouting, it says, verse 25, but when they had stretched him out for the whips. See what you did, these brothers was creative. You had to stretch the brother, right? You stretch him because when you stretch, that allows the skin to be stretched. So as soon as I hit you, it just rips you up. So you got to stretch him. If if you're all cuddled up, you know, it's going to take a little time to get through that. If I got you stretched, all I got to do is one hit. So we're going to stretch. Now imagine. Guys, this ain't no soap opera where, you know, you get a break, you know what I'm saying? And you, no, Paul just got beat down. He already hurt. So they're stretching the dude that just got beat down. Still bloody, messed up, dirty. No, we got to stretch you. Ah! Brother, what would you do? What would you do at that moment? You're Paul. Holy Spirit just guided you. You shared this speech. Didn't work out like you thought. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Brother, back in the Romans. Hey, I'm back with these crazy brothers. Hold up, man. What's going on? Hey, what you doing? What you doing? What you doing? Right? What'd you think? Look what he says. Man, I just think you got to be kidding me. It says, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by. I just love this. He's all, hey, is it lawful for you to flog a man who's a Roman citizen and uncondemned? Man, that's a smart brother. No, that's God's grace, y'all. Only the Holy Spirit can give you that kind of wit. Right in the moment, right before he, again, if he gets flogged, either he's going to be crippled for life or he's going to die. Brothers didn't leave floggings like our spankings. Again, man, I'm trying to, I want to get our mind. First century, man, you didn't leave floggings like, you know, you left floggings. Jesus probably was going to be dead whether he was on a cross or not. I love the picture of the passion of Christ because I love, I mean, it's probably more graphic than that. But you see, you watch that movie and you go, man, did it jump off like that? That's why everybody, that's why Christians in the crowd, unbelievers in the crowd crying. Because you're like, we can do that to people? Absolutely. Absolutely. When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, what are you about to do, right? So the centurion heard that and said, oh, what are y'all about to do, man? You hear this dude? For this man is a Roman citizen, verse 27. So the tribune came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, yes. The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum, Paul said, but I'm a citizen by birth. Paul gives him a little dagger. He says, hold up. First of all, bro, yeah, I'm a Roman citizen. You better watch yourself. Secondly, because it was, it was unlawful to, to, to beat a Roman citizen. You know, the, the, the penalty for that was death. Because, again, the exaltation of our culture. They thought, man, we are off the chain. Greeks, we are awesome. You can't touch one of us. You better have legitimate reason or we will kill you. 
Okay? So Paul knew that because he's smart, right? He's like, you going to beat me, brother? I'm going to tell on you. Right? And so the dude here, he gets scared. He's like, do you know this dude? He's a Roman citizen. He was speaking Greek. So they start putting two and two together. Maybe it's true. Dude walks up to him and says, hey, I think his name was Claudius. He says, well, I bought my citizenship because when Emperor Claudius was around, he was, a, he was a, 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 just a, a greedy dude. He would actually sell citizenships, right? So he would sell people citizenships. So this guy's paid a ton of money. And then the person who usually sold you the citizenship, the king who was in, who was in control at that time or the emperor, you would usually name yourself in some way with the emperor because you kind of felt like now this is connected me to being a Roman, a citizen kind of deal. This dude bought his citizenship. Paul said, you had to spend cheese. I was born, I was born a citizen, bro. You second class, I'm first class. He hit him like that, right? So every once in a while, you know, we as Christians, we do a little tag, you know, a little something like that too. Even though hopefully the Holy Spirit was guiding that. He kind of gave him a little poke. Verse 29, so those who were about to examine him, which means basically what was going to happen, they were going to strip him out, whip him, beat him, and then you're going to have people say things. So can you tell me what happened? It's interrogation, man. This is torture. Those guys went, uh-oh. He said they withdrew from him immediately. He was like, the brothers were like, as soon as they heard all that, they was like, oh, I hope he didn't see my face. I hope he didn't see my face. He didn't try to get out of there quick. So Paul won't go, yeah, it was that one right there. That one right there and that one. And it says, they were afraid for he released, uh, he realized that Paul's a Roman citizen and that he had been, he had bound him. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason, he still wanted to know what was up, what was going on, why he was being accused by the Jews. He unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet him, to meet. Uh, and he brought Paul down and set him before them. So he lets them go. They all dip, try to say, hey, we're sorry, Paul. They still put him before his people so they can still figure out what's going on with this guy, Paul. Something's going on because I ain't never seen this many people get so mad at a dude. Right? We got to know what's up. We're going to pause there. We'll continue next week. That's, what's, that's where we're at right now. Here, as a, you know, your first century Jew come out to 2015. What are we to do with all that? Here's, here's what the Holy Spirit put on my heart as I thought about what is the Lord saying through all this. I just begin to ask myself this question. I want you to ask this question, family. What would happen if our passion to make Christ known eclipsed everything else? What would happen in our local body if our passion to make Jesus known eclipsed everything else in your life? Everything. Because to me, to see what this brother did, it seemed like that was the case. Making Christ known was primary. Even to to the fact of losing his life. And here's what, I, here's what I see. It seems to me that we as a body, when I look at Paul, and this is more pragmatic, I want to challenge us. It seems three things. It seems that God, that, that God gave Paul the grace to really know Jesus, right? That, that it's hard to, to be about that, to make Christ known, to allow, to allow everything to eclipse, you know, to allow the, the gospel to eclipse all other stuff in your life. It's hard to do that when you don't know God, when you're not walking and pursuing the Lord. I'm telling you, this is not some weird remedy, man. It's just real. The the Holy Spirit litmus step is is so clear. Like when people aren't walking with God, you just do fleshly. I do fleshly, weird, stupid things. And I protect myself and I'm about me. And when I'm walking with God, I do really godly things. And God uses me and does things through me because he wants to be exalted. It's just plain and simple. 
God uses broken people who are yielding to Christ to accomplish his kingdom. And fleshly people don't accomplish his kingdom. This, this, this all agreed to create acting like we don't know what to do. Right? So now the question is, I just want to encourage us. Man, some of us, we have, look, we have dry times. You got, you got the reality of being human and you just get tired. You got the reality of the world beating down, anxiety. You got the reality of our insecurities and in life happening to us. There's a lot of things that make us say, I don't want to give Christ my all. It's real, right? Being a Christian and enjoying Jesus and being with God is hard, but it's good. It's good. So my prayer is first that me and we will be a body that wants to know Jesus. And when we know and walk and pursue God, when we're walking and enjoying the Lord, it seems to me, man, you just kind of, the gospel kind of comes. You just kind of just understand the gospel. You believe the gospel. And you see your life. You look at things and you see gospel influences. And you, and you just begin to, it's like, it's like you know, Neo, man, on Matrix, man. He, he, you know, he, he started realizing he was the one. And all of a sudden at the end, you know, he's, he wasn't seeing the regular dude. But he saw all those numbers and stuff. You know, and he was like, oh, my goodness. And then what was he doing? He was able to block those punches. He was like, what, 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 you know, blocking the punches. Because now he's like, I'm off the chain, bro. I'm looking different. I'm seeing things differently. So you start, the gospel does that. It changes your worldview and the way, and your lenses change. We start seeing things with, with a gospel perspective. That's when people start seeing things that you like, quit being so spiritual. Quit being, quit always being nice and kind. Quit always seeing the cup is half full. Well, why? Because I serve a real savior. I, this isn't wishful thinking. I'm not doing Oprah. This is real. This is real. So I want to encourage our body. Know God. And this is this, this pursue Christ. Walk with God. Ask the Holy Spirit to open us up to the spiritual realm. Just ask God for miracles and things that happen that we go, I can't explain that. You going to do that? Know the gospel. I want us to know the good news. In our discipleship meetings, guys... I want us to talk about, do you know the gospel? Explain the gospel. Talk to each other about the good news. Get, get versed in, your, in, the, in the hope that you had, that's within you. Know what God has done in this world and in your life. And then know your testimony. Everybody in our body. My, guys, I'm, I'm t- as, as your pastor, I'm asking for you, guys in discipleship, people who are being trained, we, everybody in discipleship should know their story. I want us to know our story. If you're training on the importance of the local church, but you don't know your story, I want you to pause for a moment, and I want you to learn your story. I want you to learn the gospel, be able to articulate the gospel in different ways. I want you to be able to articulate the gospel unabridged, abridged, Old Testament, New Testament, whole Bible, cool words, nice pictures. Know your gospel. So no matter where you are, what you got, you got crayons, you straight. Cool. Let me show you something right quick. You ain't got nothing. You can articulate it. You got a track. You know how to use it. Let's be so versed in the gospel. Let's know Jesus and let's, and let's know our testimony. Let's know our, what God has done, who I was before Christ. Man, what Christ, are, what Christ did in me and what Christ is doing now. Let's know. Let's know Christ, guys. We're going to take a time of communion. Um, be encouraged. God is reigning. He's awesome.
If you are new here, uh, we do communion in Thailand.